Man, we're having fun, ain't we? This is good stuff. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad we've got off to a good start with all the services last night and this morning. And uh, thankful that souls are finding God. And there is power in the blood this morning. And it's, uh, it's available to you. I'll start off just saying that if you have not yet given your life to God and you want what Brother Stan was talking about and what Brother Hurston was talking about, that sanctifying power that will keep you free from sin and take you to a home in heaven, it's available this morning. Um, I don't know if Brother Floyd was commanding me or ordering me to about the 20 minutes. I told Brother Harry when we come in that... When Sister Sade and some of them left the island and started preaching, I don't think they had clocks in the church. And I imagine when they, Sister Sade was preaching to those congregations and trying to convince them to get sanctified, I doubt they was worried about 20 minutes. But I'll tell you what, God's been good to us. I want to talk this morning. Um, I, I, thought, I thought this past week, I remember, y'all remember this. Um, this was a thing that swept our country, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. They came out with a thing called a Rubik's Cube. Y'all remember that? Um, if you, if it was a square, and it was all, I don't know how they made that thing, but the object was to get it all back together where all the colors were right on all six squares. Well, the first time I ever saw one of them things, I said, this thing is impossible. There is no way. And, of course, you, you know, it's a challenge. So at first you take it and you start messing with it, you know, and you think, oh, well, I, you know, maybe I can do it. You know, well, man, there wasn't no way. And I didn't believe it was possible until some little kid about 10 years old said, here, let me show you how to do it. He took that thing with bloop, 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 here. Here it was. There are some of you out here right now that have heard about this sanctification thing. You think it's an impossibility to live on this earth free from sin. But what I want to tell you this morning by the power of God is that Holy Ghost power will transform you into a new creature in Christ Jesus. You might not, you might have tried it, you might have tried to put it all together, tried to get your life together, tried to live right for God, but when you get the Holy Ghost, it just comes together. And it makes you a child of God. It's only Holy Ghost power. And one of the most convincing things, just like that Rubik's Cube, I really didn't see how it was possible Until somebody showed me. But when you see a brother or a sister get right and live right and stay right and and talk right and walk right, it'll make you a believer that maybe I can do it too. And so it's important. I want to give you a few tips this morning about how to live the sanctified life. And tell you by the Word of God, it is possible to live sanctified, holy before Jesus Christ. Oh, my brothers, my sisters, the first thing you got to do, and I'm going to start off reading, and this is a wonderful tie into the song we just sang, the first chapter of 2 Peter, the third verse, according, listen to this, according as God's divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. So what he's telling us right away is that God will not call you to holiness and not equip you to live right. As I heard a black preacher say, I read it in the newspaper last week, if God gives you a vision, he will give you the provision. I said, hallelujah. (laughs) God will equip you to live right. He doesn't ask you to do the impossible, 
But God has called us to holiness. And this says that He's given unto us all things. Does that leave anything out? He's given unto us all things that pertain unto what? Unto life and to godliness. So the first thing you've got to do, brothers and sisters and friends and loved ones, especially our Delaware friends, we're so glad are here, and so many others. We've got them from everywhere, Albany and different places. We're thankful that you're here. And I want to tell you, the first thing you've got to do is get born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You first have got to be birthed into the kingdom of God. You've got to be have your sins forgiven that takes care of your past and then after your past is cleaned up you've got to come back to God in the second work of grace and ask God to fill your heart with the Holy Ghost and power and when the Holy Ghost comes in your heart the devil moves out of your heart that's the power that that comes in that enables you to live holy that's why unless you've never got the Holy Ghost you couldn't live right before God you couldn't overcome habits you couldn't overcome addictions and all the things that drug you back into sin But when the Holy Ghost comes in and fills you with Jesus Christ's power, it makes you something you never were before. And it makes you where you can walk right and do right. Thank God. So the first thing you got to do is you've got to be birthed. You've got to be born just like we've got this room full of babies. And when those babies are born, we don't expect them. They don't have college degrees and high school diplomas and they don't have knowledge about life. They've got the rest of their life to live, but they got to get off to a good start. So what we want to tell you, the first thing this morning is you've got to be sanctified. You've got to be born, just like you're starting to have some births at this altar. That's the first step. Well, you know, I I want to read in the book of Acts a verse. That's going back to the Rubik's Cube thing. You think it's impossible. When Paul appeared before King Agrippa, and he started giving his experience... Now, this is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's got an analogy to us today. In the 8th verse, he said, Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you, O King Agrippa, that God should raise the dead? That's, That's a verse I want to ask you this morning. People say, you can't live right. You can't live sanctified. You can't live holy. And I want to ask, why is it so incredible with you That God should raise the dead. Well, that's in the book of Acts. Let's go to the book of Romans. I can't get this out fast enough. Wow. Uh, The book of Romans in the 8th chapter. And it says here, we'll talk about resurrection. And it says that if Christ be in you, the body is dead. Body. What kind of body is he talking about? Let's go to the 6th chapter of Romans. And he identifies the body. He said, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. So he's talking and then he says in the... Um, Oh my goodness. 
He says that the body of sin might be destroyed. So when he says in the 8th chapter that if Christ be in you, the body is dead, he's obviously not talking about our physical our physical flesh. He's talking about the nature of sin that's in the heart that we were born with, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Thank God for that. And when that body is dead, then the spirit is light because of righteousness. The next verse, uh, Romans 8 and 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We believe in resurrection power. The same Spirit that raised Jesus out of the tomb, if He dwells in you, if you get sanctified and the Holy Ghost comes in, you will no longer be dead in your trespasses, in your sins, and go back to the hog pen over and over and over again. But that renewing life spirit of Jesus Christ, when He comes in, raises you out of the tomb of sin and brings you into a newness of life that you never had before. He says over in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what he does. It says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. There's four things here. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is, I'm going to read them and then I'm going to talk about it. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in natural body. It's raised in spiritual body. A lot of folks want to confuse all this scripture, but what it's talking about is you, my brother, you, my sister, before you came to Christ, before you come to God, he says, it's sown in corruption. Everything that we're born with, we're born selfish and we think life is about us and we think it's all about me and what I want and my desires. And that is a corruptible thing. But when you are sown in corruption, you are raised in incorruption with a newness of life. He comes on down the next one. He says it is sown in dishonor. The person that these folks had gone down to the altar with might have had a dishonorable past. Might have been like Mary Magdalene that came to Jesus, out of whom Jesus cast out seven devils. And she washed his feet with her tears of her, eye, of her eyes coming down. And Jesus said, oh, they started criticizing. He said, Simon Peter, to whom do you think that, that, that would love the, the more? The one that's been forgiven a little bit or forgiven a whole lot? There's people that has lived lives of dishonor. They've wrecked their known name. They've wrecked their family name. They've done things. Alan said, I can't forgive myself. Brother, we've all been there. We know, we know we did wrong. We did it willingly. But let me tell you what. When you're sown in dishonor and you get renewed by the Spirit of God, you're raised in honor. Amen. A new life. The next one. It's sown in weakness. Oh man, this is the before picture. Brother, stand the before picture. Get baptized all you want to, brother. Make all the sinner's confessions you want to make. I'm telling you right now, if you don't get the Holy Ghost to sanctify you, you will never be able to break the bonds of sin. It's, and it's not, oh, we're saying this or the church is saying this. Go read this for yourself. If you doubt what we're talking about, don't take our word for it. Find out what God's word said. If you believe that all Jesus died for was to make you an improved sinner, you do not have faith in the power of my God. Because the power of this God, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And it didn't stop 
at the tomb. It didn't stop when he ascended to heaven. But when you get his power in your heart, oh my, you'll have power. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. There's power in the blood, Jay. The next thing he said, it's sown a natural body. Oh, it is. But the before picture, you're just wanting to satisfy your own lust. You want to do the things that you want to do. It's a very natural thing. But when you get sanctified, you are raised a spiritual body. You're raised something that you never were before. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. I want to go. I'm moving right along here. So you got to get born. you got to get the resurrection. And so you get sanctified. Let's say you do. And the brother that got sanctified last night, I think his name is Brother Tim Wright. Is that correct? Yes. From Norfolk. And he said, and I, I appreciated his, candid, his candidness and his honesty. He said that I'm scared. Y'all hear him? And, and I'm fearful. I don't remember exactly the words he used, but that was the gist of what he was saying. God bless the brother for being honest. You know why? Because he was leaving here going back home to real life. You know what? It ain't no problem living sanctified in church. But God doesn't sanctify us to be in church 24-7, 365, does he? He sanctifies us to go out in the world and be witnesses of him. That's what the power of God does. And so when we leave this place, when we're birthed, you first got to be born. I'm talking about how to live the sanctified life. I'm hoping this Rubik's Cube is coming into play a little bit. How to live it. You got to be born. But the next thing, and he says in the fourth chapter of Thessalonians, the first verse, <clears throat> Furthermore, we then beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, and to please God. Amen. Listen to this next verse. So ye would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. The third verse. If you want to argue with this, you go right ahead. But this is God's word. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Some folks say it's impossible. But what this says, and I don't think this is out of context, I'm real big on that, that if you are not sanctified, you are not living in the will of God. That's right. God's will is even your sanctification. That you should abstain from fornication. A lot of people want to read that in a fleshly sense, but God's talking about it in a spiritual sense. God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. When you get sanctified, God expects fidelity, spiritual fidelity. The fourth verse, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. So it makes sense by reading God's word that after we are birthed into the new birth, that the next thing God wants us to do is to abound more and more. And I read in the 12th chapter of Romans in the first verse, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is how you abound. I want to tell you, after you get sanctified, God is not interested in you being lukewarm. He's not interested in you going back and just 
Oh, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in fellowship. I don't have to. I'm saved. Now I got it made. And I can just go on and go back and just do things I want to do. I'm better than I was. God wants you to abound more and more. He said, as we've told you how you ought to walk and how to please the Lord. And so you should abound. So the second thing God wants us to do is have an abundant life. It's not. I got a flyer in the mail this week um, sent to Brian. And it said that I talked to one of, Brian, I talked to one of your grandfathers, Charlie, I don't know if it was you or Brother Bernard, but this man sent him a brochure on prosperity, prosperity doctrine, is sweeping our churches today. And I skimmed it and uh, looked through it. And one of the things it talked about was this prayer. You know, when you get up every morning and it was a bullet point, you know, how to pray every morning. Lord, I believe you're sending abundance into my life. And it's talking about dollars, by the way. You ain't figured it out. And it's all about dollars. And the more God loves you, the more dollars you're going to have. And the more, the, the richer you're going to get and all this stuff. I'm going to tell you what, that's a false doctrine. Yes, it is. God is a spirit. Now, it's not that God is not interested in your finances because He is. He said, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. God understands that our finances affect us in our spirit. And God is concerned about our finances. What's amazing is so many people want to ask God to give me, give me, give me, Lord, build me up, build me up. And, and there is a biblical principle of giving to God first. Out of the first of all of your abundance and increase. And people don't want to do that, but they think God's supposed to be given to them. That's against biblical principle. But the point that I'm making is, that I want you to hear, is the abundance God wants you to have is in the spirit man. Oh, things are going to, the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Money comes, money goes. But brothers and sisters, when we get down, we may not have an advantage that Brother Hurston has got. The doctors have told Brother Hurston, you're going to die. They've told him what the cause is going to be. He sees a, a close to his days. There are many of us that leave this life that never have that advantage of knowing when it's coming. And as I was talking with your nephew, Rick, and we were talking the other day about you. And, and we're all going to leave here by some reason. What God wants you to do is to be abundant in your spiritual man so that you can have an entrance into that heavenly kingdom one day. All right, back to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, if you want to abound, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The second verse, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove by your example and by God's power what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, hallelujah. So he says here, I'm beseeching you, brethren, that you present after you're born, after you've been birthed, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, when you sacrifice something, it's generally dead. So this sounds like an oxymoron. It's a living sacrifice. But Paul the Apostle, in another the 15th chapter of Corinthians, he said, I die daily. Talking about on the inside, that after you've been birthed, that you give your life to God. When you get up in the morning, it ain't God add to my bank account. It's God and the prayer I pray every morning, Lord, let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That's the kind of prayer you can start the day with. Presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Listen to this now. We don't really like to talk about this verse, but it's in the Bible, and it's not hammer helper. And be not conformed to this world. Now, he said, I want you to abound more and more. And we've heard all of our lives, any of us has been CSHC kids. We, we don't want nothing to do with the world, and we don't want nothing to do with worldliness. And, and to a certain extent, we were raised, I'm really talking my generation, we were raised that worldliness was, was a list of do's and don'ts in black and white. And there were certain things we knew not to do, right? Somebody say amen. It's the truth. And, and there were certain lines that, that and, and there were lines that I thought, honestly, that would never, ever be crossed in this church that have been crossed and not been crossed, but they're so far behind them, I can't see them in my rearview mirror. I'm not saying that's a good thing either, by the way. But here's what I want to tell you. What this is talking about is not what the church says, and it's not what Gary says, and it's not what your mom and daddy says, but it is what God says. That's right. Be not conformed to this world. Right. Now, you might think that I'm giving you a free ticket, get out of jail free card. But what I'm telling you is, if you live in submission to God's will, it will be stronger than what the church says, right. and what Gary says, and what your mom and daddy said. Right. Because it's your heavenly father, and he's a closer daddy than your fleshly father. Right. And he will tell you, he will gently nudge you with his spirit, and let you know, that there's an area of your life that he is not pleased with. The reason he says do not be conformed to the world, conform, change life, so that you look like the world when people look at your life that you're conformed. You're conformed to the world. Because God brought you, brothers and sisters, if he sanctified you, he brought you out of the world. He ain't interested in you going back to the world. And so God will make you a new creature. And the reason and when you read about it in the first John, I can tell you all that's in the world. Lust, lust, and pride. That's what it said. All that's in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. These are not of the Father, but they're of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So when you get sanctified, God will bring you out of the world. And the next thing he'll do, but be ye transformed. Transforming power. I never will forget the year Brother Willie Hagin stood up here. Y'all remember the little kids' toys? They called them Transformers. And they'd start off looking like a car, and you twist it a couple ways, and it'd be some kind of beast or animal. Brother Willie had experience with his grandchildren on those toys. And he talked about this very verse, that when God gets in your heart, he transforms you. You start out, just like we talked about, in weakness and in dishonor and in all of those things. But when God gets through shining you up, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So we got to be born, and we got to abound, and the last thing we have to do, if you want to live sanctified, you got to endure. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Is it all a life of abundance? 
Some people want to, that, that, that idea goes out that everything is just better and better and better and better. And I want to tell you, there's times you got to endure. Jesus said in the 24th chapter of Matthew, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Brother James said in the 5th chapter, brethren, we count them happy, which endure. Oh, there is a joy. And what is endurance? Endurance is not something that you just, you know, feel good about and that you're necessarily having a good time with, but it is necessary to go to heaven. God is not this doctrine of sin and repent and sin and repent and start and start and start and start. It's because they hadn't found out about sanctification. But sanctification helps you get sanctified and stay. And sometimes you're climbing and sometimes you're enduring. And sometimes you're climbing and sometimes you're enduring. And sometimes there's valleys. You can't have mountains without valleys. But I'm going to tell you what, it's an ever-increasing climb because God is with us. And I want to read you this. Finally, my brethren, finally, finally. So Somebody said hallelujah on that. Sixth chapter of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Amen. Brother, the brother, brother Tim said last night he'd been half in the boat and half out. Let me tell you what, you go to fight the devil and you only got half the armor on, you're going to die. That's why he don't want you to be conformed to the world. When you start going after the world, you got to lay your armor down to go after the world. Is that right? You can't go out hand in hand with the world and be equipped with the full armor of God. But he says, put on the whole armor of God. For what reason? That you might be able, listen, I love this, to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's, we got battles to fight. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not fighting, a, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think the next verse says, it's not something that we're in the flesh with, but the battles that exist are on a spiritual plane. They're on a higher level. And God wants you to be equipped for the battles that will come after you are birthed into sanctification. There are times of wonderful abundance, but there's times you've got to endure. Just hold on. Okay, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the 12th verse says, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The 13th verse, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able, this says a little different, to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. Now I love this phrase. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. In the first verse before that he said to stand. But this says to withstand. I got to thinking about that. The word withstand. It's two different words isn't it? With and stand. And what that means when you combine them. If you want to withstand in the Lord. It doesn't mean that your circumstances are going to always be great after you get sanctified. It doesn't mean that your family's never going to have problems after you get sanctified. And you're never going to have financial problems after you get sanctified. That you're never going to have a conflict with a brother or a sister after you get sanctified. That you're never going to have an issue of health after you get sanctified or a loss of a loved one or so many other things. But what it means, brothers and sisters, when it talks about withstanding, Here's what it's talking about. It means that with this current situation that I am in, I am going to stand. Amen. 
We're coming to God and you come to God and you're on your knees and, you, and the Lord already knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. I'll give you a tip. You ain't never got on your knees and give God a news bulletin. He already knew all about it. He said, before you call, I'll answer. While you're yet speaking, I'll hear. But when you come to God and you say, God, with this situation, with this thing that I'm going through, with this trial that's in my life, and I'll take with this health condition, Brother Hurston, I'm going to stand. With my family situation, I'm going to stand. With this temptation that I'm having, I'm going to stand. That's what withstand means. Not that, God, I'm going to stand if everything's wonderful and if everything's going my way. But with the trials of life, I will stand. That's how you're going to go to heaven, brothers and sisters. Wimps need not apply. And he goes on to talk about stand, therefore, and he gives us an out in the interest of time. I'm not going to read about the armor of God, but I'm going to go back to the first chapter of Second Peter because I wasn't through there. And this is a good wrap here. So I'm going to kick, uh, paraphrase what I've been saying. You first got to be birthed. You've got to have resurrection power. Amen. You've got to be forgiven. I want to say this very distinctly and clearly. And I want to tell you, and I don't mean to offend anyone. There's a lot of people here. I'm just going to say it. Is it all right? There's a lot of people here that have intentions to be buried over here when you die. Some of you are with us and some of you aren't. And I want to ask you a question this morning. If we're the people you desire to be buried with, shouldn't we be the people you desire to live with and worship God with? Amen. That's right. It's going to be hard to have fellowship over there in the cemetery. But we want to have fellowship with you here. And there's a lot of you that have left for a lot of reasons. And, And I'm not talking about fairy tales this morning. I'm talking about reality. And maybe your reasons were valid. And I'm not discrediting them at all. We all have our own mountains to climb and our own battles to fight. But what I want to tell you is that one of the grace of God, one of the graces of God, and if you haven't reached this point, you need to look for it and find a victory, is to get past things that have been done to you. Life is not all about us. One of the most common verses sweeping our country in the Christian world today, and it's about as out of context as it could possibly be, is the verse, and I can't quote it directly, but y'all will pretty much all know what I'm talking about. It's in the Old Testament, and it says, But I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans of peace and prosperity and all these things. And the reason it's out of context is because that verse was not written prophetically to you individually three or four thousand years later and talking about your financial life and all of those things that was a prophecy of God's people to God's people as a country that he knew the plans that he had for them and the reason I want to say this this morning that is that verse is out of context it's not that God does not care about you individually he does right he, does. he said that not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't take note And you're more value than many sparrows. But it falls, pray that verse falls in line with, the the Bible says, we just read, be not conformed to the world. One of the things that the world does, it's all about me. Everything's about me. Everything's about me, man. It's all about me. And that verse, if you take it out of context, 
becomes conformed to the world where it's all about me. God had plans 4,000 years ago for me. Well, he did. And let me tell you what it was. That God from the beginning had chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and a belief of the truth. If God had a plan for you, and Brother Leon talked about the plan, it was that one day you would get sanctified. Hallelujah. Back to the last, the first chapter of 2 Peter. And he said, besides this, giving all diligence, add. So you've been birthed. You've learned how to abound more and more. You've gone through enough things. You've learned how to endure. And now this is what he wants you to do. We're heading to an end here. I want to add, he said, give, uh, besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. God is interested in virtuous servants. Some people claim to be saved and there's not a lot of virtue that you see on the outside. God wants virtuous servants, virtuous sons and daughters. If you don't know what that means, go look up the word and there's a meaning to it. And the next thing we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we know when people make lists, they usually start at the top with the things most important and go down to the least important. And right next to faith, he said, add to your faith, virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, and then add temperance, and then add patience. patience. Boy, a lot of us can work on that, can't we? But that's part of God's plan for your life. And the next thing he wants you to add is godliness. And if you are living godly, and dressing godly, and acting godly, and reacting godly, you will not be conformed to this world, but you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For if these things be in you, first his spirit, then you start adding, and abound, there's that word again, They make you, that you, the saved children of Jesus Christ, the sanctified sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, the ones that have abounded. And yes, my brother that's holding on for all you can hold on for, those that have endured. He's talking to you. If these things be in you and abound, they make you, that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, you that thought the Rubik's Cube was impossible, You that thought you could never get over your strongholds. You that thought you could never get away from your addictions. That you could never live right. He says, if these things be in you and abound, they will... I'm sorry. If you do these things, you will never fall. Brother Hurston, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what this message of sanctification is about this morning. I want you to hear this. 
A lot of times we talk to the lost. We want you to get saved. We want you to get sanctified. But I'm going to tell you what, brothers and sisters, God's word is telling you this morning. He wants you to get sanctified because you got to have a birth. But he also wants you to abound more and more. And when the enduring times come, you might be like Jacob when he was going back to meet Esau and thought his brother was out to slay him. He sent his family on over the brook ahead of him. And the Bible says that he found himself alone and he wrestled with the man until the breaking of the dawn. We know it was an angel through reading God's word. And that angel said to Jacob, let me go. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. That's what endurance is all about. Sometimes all you can do is just hold on. Sometimes that's all that you have to do. It says, and having done all, sometimes you ain't got no strength left but just to stand. But when you hold on and you say, I'm not letting go, I'm not giving up, I'm not going back, I'm not going to go back. Oh my God, he saved me for a purpose. And I want to tell you this morning, if you have given up, he is married to you. He's birthed us sons and daughters, but he's married to the backslider. And the Bible says that when you're married, you're one. So even if you've given up and gone back, God's with you. And God's calling you back. So this morning, it's possible. Yes. Amen. Bless yes. the Lord. Amen. You can do it. Amen. Through the power of God. Bless the Lord. You can live the impossible life. Bless you can live sanctified. You can live in an abundance. You can endure in the hard times. And at the end, an entrance is going to be ministered to you. Abundantly and to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's time to start a new birth this morning, and we want to have another altar service here today. So, as this congregation stands, and I want to ask I know the service has ran lengthy, but I'd like to ask for you to stay in this building and honor this altar service with your quietness and your reverence. And if God has spoken to you through this meeting this morning, give up. As the song says, give up and let Jesus take over. Let's all stand.